Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello, and welcome to this week's HR Uprising episode. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney, and this is actually a bonus episode. I'm really grateful to Tom Blake, who I'll introduce in a moment, who is joining us to talk about furloughing. So this is a term that I think none of us had even heard of about three weeks ago, that suddenly HR professionals everywhere are having to become expert at. Well, Tom is a global HR director and executive coach in actual fact, um, but he's got so much experience in terms of complexity and simplifying complexity. And he's been helping HR professionals and organisations interpret this new legislation. He does that in other ways um, professionally as well. And he's focused on helping businesses like ours understand how to implement the coronavirus job retention scheme. So, Tom, thank you so much for agreeing at short notice to come on and uh, make some sense of this for us. You're welcome, Lucinda. Thanks a lot for having me on. So, yeah, really grateful for this. I mean, we've got lots of Q&A and the intention of this one really is for us maybe to um, put the job retention scheme into plain English for people um, and maybe throw some of the questions at you that other people um, may have asked so we can try and make this as, as simple as possible for people. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Super. So w- we understand, I, I remember hearing it on the news, that the government said that to basically it, it essentially reduce redundancies during this really abnormal um, time due to the pandemic, that they would fund employee salaries up to a value of 80%, mm-hmm. but then it was capped at £2,500 from earth where there is no work available for the employee. So who does this apply to? So if it, let, let me just take a step back very quickly. So we, we, as you quite rightly pointed out, it's called a furlough scheme. Um, the technical name is the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. And the, the bit that you're pointing to comes from the Chancellor's announcement on the 20th of March. Um, so there's a massive scrabble on that Friday night because it was at 5.30 on a Friday, which is always lovely as an HR person. <laughs> Lots of people working long weekends. <laughs> Well, yeah, and myself included yeah. to try and work all of this out. Um, and then the official kind of slightly longer document uh, came out on um, the 26th, yeah. which was the third day. But again, that wasn't until about midnight. So really, people should be looking at guidance that's been updated as of the 27th of March. And then that's how they're going to know that it's the latest. Actually, and that's a really good um, point, isn't it? Because this um, we are recording this on the 30th of March, 2020. So information yeah. may uh, move on Change. from this point. So, <laughs> so we're yeah. as up to date as we can be at point of recording. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is that, that really is a, a good point. And it's something that I'll talk about in the podcast about how companies might choose to um, implement the legislation based on the information that they know at that point in time. Um, so the, the, the scheme in itself, exactly as you uh, pointed out, Lucinda, it's a scheme to avoid redundancies. Um, and the government has said that they recover wages, um, 80% of wages up to a cap of £2,500 uh, for an initial three-month period. 
So it, it covers all types of employees. So whether you're uh, full-time, part-time, agency, flexible, zero hours type contracts. The point of it is that you have to be an employee and you have to be on payroll. So you have to be a PAYE uh, taxpayer and you have to have been on payroll on the 28th of February, which is a key date that I'll, I'll come back to probably a few times during the podcast itself to, to talk a little bit about that. Um, and it applies to any type of business. So the government haven't given an extensive list of every single type of business. They have just categorised by saying any UK organisation with employees can apply, including businesses, charities, recruitment agencies. And that's quite important because that's agencies, agency workers who pay through PAYE. So things like umbrella companies yeah. as well. And public authorities are covered too. On that um, payroll piece, I know that that is quite a contentious point, isn't it? So, I mean, an example in my own business, we have someone who a job offer went out to them on the 23rd of April, uh, sorry, the 23rd of February, but their first day was the 2nd of March. (laughs) Sorry. So, yeah, so 2nd of March. So they didn't, so, and and they wouldn't have actually been put on payroll until about the 15th of March, because that was the first month that they were going to get paid. Yeah. So... We had a contract with them on the 28th of February, but they hadn't started working. So would I understand that they are not covered under that? Yes, you're right. And and I think this is where it's slightly unfortunate. So the government have said you have to have been on payroll on the 28th of February. So the the first thing about that is what does on payroll actually mean? Because I'll I'll come to your example in a second. The, the, The first example is, well, If you started in February, for example, maybe later on in February, so maybe the 25th, some companies pay payroll in the middle of the month. Yeah, also it closes on the 15th and lots of places, doesn't it? So get the things in. Absolutely. Yeah, because your payroll has to close Mm. at least, normally at least a week before your payroll actually goes through. So you will have a group of people who technically, quote unquote, aren't on payroll um, because their payroll had closed, but they are employed. Yes. my view and what I will uh, always quite clearly state whenever I'm talking to anybody is what my view on it is, because that's not clear. My view is that those individuals are covered because they were clearly employed on that date. Yeah. You're having a conversation with HMRC at some point. You can prove it to say, well, they were employed on this date. Our payroll just runs a week beforehand. So they, they should have got paid on the 28th, but they just weren't, they, they, you know, they weren't, they came in after the payroll had cut off. And then the next month we caught them back up in our normal course of events. So that's, that's they one They should group be covered, but that's a technicality at the moment as to getting it confirmed. Yes. And I'm not actually convinced that will be confirmed personally. I, I think a lot of people are waiting for confirmations of very detailed technical elements. And, and I'm just not sure it's ever going to come. Um, but as I say, my personal view, my personal advice is they are covered, proceed as they are covered, and then have the conversation with HMRC if they ask you. The next group of people is exactly what you just described, Lucinda. They have a confirmed job offer that is legitimate. Let's not focus on illegitimacy for a second. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll go there in a minute. But it's a legitimate job offer and they are starting uh, straight after the cutoff. Um, But they, you know, as soon as they come into the organisation, they have to be furloughed because there's no work available. Under the terms of this scheme at present, 
they will not be covered. Um, the reason for that is the government have put in a cutoff date of the 28th of February because they are worried that they're going to have a raft of organisations just trying to randomly put people back on payroll yeah. to effectively game the system. Abuse it, yeah. Now, I can, I can understand why HMRC are doing that, but my again, my view is that should not be at the disadvantage of those cases that are legitimate. Um, and I can talk a little bit later if it's okay. Mm. I've actually started a petition to try and actually get the government to see sense. I'm, I'm actually doing two petitions, one which is a general change to org one, and the other one is an open letter to UK CEOs, HRDs and uh, recruitment leaders to try and actually engage the government in a different conversation to say where the company can prove it is legitimate, yeah. that person should be covered. So hopefully in the fullness of time, the government may change their decision. Absolutely. So, And we'll put links to these petitions um, on the show notes for anybody who's listening. If they want to t- um, access those, they'll be accessible at hruprising.com. Okay. So, I mean, so at the moment, I mean, in our position, we're fortunate that we're actually, the person is working and that's, it's a really key point. It's not about, so it wouldn't be legitimate anyway to furlough this individual because they are um, doing work for us um, still, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to do so. Um, But that is a really key point as well, where I'm seeing people, again, people using this system with integrity is really important, isn't it? Because HMRC are going to be all over this and it could be open to abuse. So the, it's very clearly if you furlough someone, they can't work. That's correct, isn't it? That's absolutely right. The, the key fundamental, now this is a job retention scheme. Um, so effectively what the government are saying is, look, where the alternative would have been redundancy or layoff, because in this country we've always had the ability to lay staff off where there is a lack of work, what they are saying is that we are putting this new scheme in place. So please don't make people redundant. And I think that's um, highlighted and evidenced by the fact that when the guidance was coming out on the 20th and then on the 26th, it even says, if you have made somebody redundant in between the 28th of February and the guidance being released, you can go back, you can re-engage that worker and you can bring them back onto your payroll. Yeah. So you effectively, you can reverse that redundancy. So it is absolutely about protecting jobs. And actually, my personal reason, I think the government have done quite a good job. I'm, I'm not necessarily a political person, but looking at what the government have actually put in place is actually protecting at quite a high level. Because if we think, what's the alternative? The alternative could be things like statutory sick pay, which is just over £90 a week. And this is a guarantee of 80% of wages capped at £2,500. So it's, it's actually going some way to, yes, keep the economy going, but also make sure families aren't hit too hard in the pocket. Yeah. Um, as we kind of go and very through suddenly. this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so practicalities. I'm an HR professional and I need to do this. So these people are not working or are unable to. How do we actually do it? Okay, so you've got uh, a couple of things you need to think about, first of all. The, f- the first one is uh, within your contracts of employment, do you have a layoff clause? If you do, that is the clause that you can use to then start uh, turning people into fellow workers. So you can relate it back to that. So let me talk about if you have the clause first of all, and then I'll come on to what do you do if you don't have the clause. Um, if you have a layoff clause, you would write to your workers, you would say to them, you would give them the position, what the situation is. 
Um, and then you can just tell them that they are uh, becoming a furloughed worker because it is a status. So it's not furlough leave. It is a change of status. Okay. And the, and the date that that becomes effective from. And the change of status is important. And I'll, I'll come back to that um, in a moment. Um, so you would just write to them, explain the situation, tell them what's going on, because you have to make sure you've documented it. And you and that is quite clear for HMRC. The new guidance even says, make sure you have documented it. Now, you have to follow whatever your layoff clause says. So, for example, if your layoff clause talks about giving the right amount of notice, giving having the right of consultation, you might have to engage your workforce in a different way because you might have to do this faster than what your contractual clauses actually say. So that then takes you also into a world of, well, what do I do if I don't have a layoff clause? Yeah. And let's make it really, really simple for everybody. You would write to them. You would either hold a collective uh, collective conversation or you write to everybody and you set out what people's options are and you ask them what they want to choose. Now, the three options as uh, we see them, and this is talking to lawyers as well, is that um, individuals, companies may offer three options. The first is for the individual to be furloughed, and we now know what the benefit in a way of what being furloughed is. The second option is unpaid leave. There's no work for you to do. I can't pay you, so therefore I'm going to place you on unpaid leave. Or the third could be redundancy. But again, if you're a company that has no money, you can spell out to your employees to say that while redundancy is an option, I can't pay you that at the moment. I have no money. So the employee would either have to try and take you to court for an employment tribunal or they'd have to go to the National Insurance Fund to actually receive their redundancy pay. So right, so if, if, you've got a redundancy, if you've got a redundancy clause in your contract but you can't afford to pay it, you're not forced to do that. You're, you can say well you so you are so in a way you are but what you're saying is a bit like repaying a loan then in any event it's a bit like saying i can't afford it this is what you have to do um if i don't have the money in my bank account i, I can't actually pay that money out but there are then two routes that the individual can go down to actually get their money one is an employment tribunal claim and the second is to apply to the national insurance fund um to see if they will pay it out okay so it's a bit. It's a, that one becomes a, a little bit tricky, but but ultimately, what you're trying to do as an HR person, as a business, is show your employees that the furlong, becoming a furlong worker, is the best option for you right now. Yeah. Because what you're saying is, when all of this is over, we are assuming that your work is still going to be here. So we want you to come back, yeah. and this is what we're going to do for you, and this is what the by you know the government support as well. Take, become a furlong worker, and then as soon as work resumes, we will call you back in. Okay. Um, any other option? I mean, what about a holiday? Can you ask people to take holiday, paid leave? So you can do. I mean, if you, it depends on how generous you are as an organisation. So those three options, I would say they are kind of your base options. Yeah. You can then supplement them. So if you have got paid leave clauses, you can ask people to take some leave. Um, again, there are rules around asking people to take leave. At, at the moment, I think we're all expecting employees to be a little bit more flexible. Um, but the government have said, you know, employment law and employment rules still exist. Yeah. This doesn't trump 
requirement law. So, for example, if you are requiring an individual to take their annual leave, you have to give them double the amount of notice than you actually want them to take. So if you want them to take one week, you have to give them two weeks notice. Fine. And that becomes a bit tricky. So if you wanted someone to take six weeks paid leave, you have to give them 12 weeks and you just don't have the time to be able to do that. You could write to them and say, do you want to take your annual leave? Yeah. And again, the employee could say, actually, no, I don't want to, because I either want that when I'm going to come back or you know, what, what it, some people will have a view that they wouldn't, they just don't want to do that. But you're right. There are other options if the company can afford Well, yeah. So this whole point of this is you haven't got the money to pay people. So it doesn't really work. Although the practicality is, I suppose, they've still, um, if you do furlough someone, the employer still has to do the paying, don't they? They don't suddenly get paid by HMRC. You've got to pay the individual the 80% and then get reimbursement. Is that- yes, yeah. that's absolutely right. And be- so the government are saying it's a grant and the employer applies for the grant. Um, and they are expecting kind of the scheme, the system to be up and running by the end of April. Um, now, I'm sure, you know, all of us who've dealt with HMRC, HMRC can be a bit clunky at times. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they are pulling together a brand new portal, which we think it's going to be, um, in a space of about five weeks is nothing short of monumental, to be perfectly yeah. honest. So. At the moment, I'm I'm being I'm not normally this nice to HMRC because normally they just drive me mad, <laughs> as they do most HR people. But actually, I think we have to give credit where credit's due. You, we've got a whole raft of people working night and day to get this set up to support the economy and and to support us as employers through our employees. So the employee doesn't need to do anything. So the employer continues to pay. You work out how much you're going to pay them. Used, which is the 80% capped at two and a half grand. That money is then subject to, so for the employee's perspective, that money is then subject to tax and national insurance. So that just becomes your gross pay and you put it through your payroll in the normal way. Now, some businesses might be cash strapped. Their cash flow might be taking a hit at the moment, mm. but the government have opened up options around getting short-term loans, which I think the government are effectively saying, we are expecting businesses to take this up in order to continue to be be able to pay your staff. Um, the other alternative that, that I'm advising my clients um, on is to actually go and speak to their financial institutions or their lenders to see what if that what if any other arrangements the banks are aware of, because it should be the banks who can direct people a little bit better around loan facilities, um, to see really what is available to the employer. Even if even if it is just tiding them over until they get this grant money if coming through. If this next through, five weeks, it's critical for people, isn't it? It's, it's almost overdraft, you know, extended overdrafts and things that people need to be able to pay before the grant process is set up. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's always going to be you're always going to pay out. So each month you're going to pay out before the yeah. money comes in because, for the employer's perspective, the way that the system will run, um, you know, if the, the system gets set up, you submit your first level of information data we don't then know how long that's actually going to be take to be paid out. So they're saying the system will be up and running in April, but is it a two minute, you know, two minute turnaround until you get the cash in your bank or is it a week? We don't know. 
the same is then going to be true every payroll. Yeah. So you're going to run your payroll. You'll submit your, you, you know, you submit your data as you normally do for your tax and NI purposes. And then at the same time, you'd make a further submission into the grant. And then again, we don't know how long that money will take to come through. So you're always going to be fronting your employees for a period of time. So cash liquidity is going to be key during this yeah. period. So how businesses achieve that, the government have set up loans and talk to your banks as well. Okay, right. We won't go there in terms of banks and their speed of faction. <laughs> no, that's, that's not my area of expertise at all. All I'm saying is speak to your, either your accountant or your bank or your lender, see what they yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so um, what about if I'm saying actually there's not as much work for people? Um, yeah. So, you know, they're working reduced hours or something. Any exceptions? Are they, are they eligible or not? No, they're not. Mm -hmm. The government have been really clear that the furlough programme is for zero work. So where there is no work available and they have even put in their latest set of guidance to say, you know, short time working, which is where you are working reduced hours for reduced pay. They've even said, we know that this scheme does not cover that, but that isn't the point of this scheme. No. so if you are if you're having your hours and your pay reduced and then that takes you down too much you then might need to start thinking about benefits or universal credit or something again i'm not going to go yeah. and go there because that's not my expertise but the government have clearly said this furlough scheme is not for you if you are working reduced hours for reduced pay yeah okay and and i guess that means that people i won't go they need to almost um take them back up to full time if they're actually to furlough them properly you'd have to but presumably you'd have to working at that rate for a period of time or is that overcomplicating things Tom? i think that's probably overcomplicating yeah. things so, so if we kind of think about how do we know what the gross salary is because you can you can start working through various examples and i'll try and keep it as high level as possible and the reference point if you are a permanent salaried employee whether you are part-time full-time that doesn't really matter as long as you're permanent salaried the reference point is your salary on the 28th of february Got you. that is the one that employers will use they will then calculate what 80 percent of that is and that is what you receive capped at two and a half grand great okay that's that that's what the employer can then go and claim as part of the grant Yes. Okay. So that simplifies it. So I think the point is that the businesses say that aren't, I mean, these. I can see these businesses that are retail and things like that, which would absolutely, this would apply to. If you're in a business where you're, everyone's business is affected by this, then actually, uh, and you can't furlough people, it's about making sure they're productive. So that's what I would say in that case, it's actually about managing them to make sure they're doing things um, that, that are constructive and will put your business in a stronger place in future. Um, that's, that's the way to look at that. Okay. So- yeah. Um, we know there's minimum amount of time that it needs to be three weeks. There's lots of things in terms of three weeks. Uh, we've got some other little questions here that, and I know you've done a number of um, webinars, haven't you, Tom, where there've been questions. So you've already got some questions here. Uh, yeah. Which would would you like to kind of share the ones that you think people are asking the most or are causing the most confusion? Yes. So. Um, <laughs> Let me come to something slightly different. They are questions, but they, they're causing a lot of confusion, not necessarily in the HR community, but out there in the big wide world. Um, and that's because Martin Lewis, oh, yes. uh, the personal finance expert, has been on a range of TV programmes last week um, and giving advice. Now, I'm going to be really clear. Martin Lewis is a personal finance expert, and I believe that's where his expertise should stay. He is not an employment expert. 
And there are three areas that he is basically telling employees to say, if you fall into one of these categories, go to your employer and demand furlough. So I'm going to clear them up. Um, he has been saying if you if you are being fur if you are at home and you cannot work because you've got childcare issues, you can be furloughed. You can't. Um, no. If you have no work, you can be furloughed. But if your reasoning is because you have childcare issues, that it means you can't perform your duties, you cannot be furloughed. No. Yeah. Um, he's also saying that you can be furloughed if you are self-isolating. Well, again, that's not true, because if you're self-isolating and your job is working from home, you can still undertake your job. Mm -hmm. If you are self-isolating, but you can't get to your employer because you have decided to self-isolate, then unfortunately, there is still work available for you, which means you cannot be furloughed. And the government advice has already been clarified on this particular point. It says if you are self-isolating, then your employer may put you on statutory sick pay. That's it. No furlough. The other um, point as well that he is saying is back to this reference point of the 28th of February. So he is saying, you know, if you left your employer or, you know, you're in between jobs or whatever, effectively, he's saying go back to the employer that you were employed by on the 28th of February and demand that they take you back. Again, not right. If you have been made redundant, absolutely, go yeah. back and have the conversation. But your ex-employer is under no obligation to take you back. But if you just left if jobs you, and, and, and uh, you know, you just resigned or and went on to another role, or, or in fact, yeah. you was a performance, or an example, there was a performance issue and you had been let go um, through, yeah. through performance management, then that doesn't apply. No, it doesn't. Because the, the question to go almost back to your employer would be is, is there if I was still working for you on the 28th of February, is that job still being performed? Is there work still available? And if the employer says yes, well, furlough automatically doesn't apply. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you might be able to go back and do that job, <laughs> but they wouldn't. Yeah. They don't have to give you your job back. No, they don't. I mean, some of this comes down to kind of morality, but mm. I'll be honest, I'm not going to sit and debate morality. That, that's, that, that's down to the employer. But the point I'm trying to make is you cannot go back and make a demand. Um, and actually, as an, as an employer, if you go back and make a demand, they're probably less likely to help you out. Yes. If you go back and engage in a proactive conversation and you know you appeal to the organisation, you're probably more likely that they'll, that they'll look at you more favourably. I suppose my point on this bit right now is just to kind of demystify this thing that Martin Lewis is coming out and saying, you can do these things if, the, if you are in one of these three categories. The fact is, you can't. And it's kind of that simple. Okay, so hopefully these things will get clarified by, by him. But that means there's m lots of misinformation out there that HR professionals are having to deal with. It puts you in a really difficult position, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And um, I've got a bit of a Twitter campaign going at the moment. So yeah. I am the HR guy underscore on Twitter. And I about every hour or so, I tweet either Martin Lewis or ITV, and I'm asking them to clarify the position and actually answer the questions. And um, so far, it hasn't quite worked. So if anybody knows how to get hold of Martin <laughs> Lewis, point them in my direction, because I'm quite happy to sit down with him to clarify and get him to clarify to the nation, because it's, it's just not fair. Yeah. And it creates a load of confusion in something that is already confusing, and it's just not fair on people. Yes, absolutely. And I can see you can see why someone who's on statutory sick pay would like to be furloughed um, because there's a big difference in what they're being paid potentially. But 
the, it's all about the principle of is there work to do or, you know, whether it's choice involved, I guess, in terms of what, what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And is there work? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is this key question of is there work? If the answer is no, then, then furlough, you should be looking at furlough. If there is work, then no. Yeah. The, the one, and to, to kind of answer your question, what's one of the key things? Now, there is a parts of the, parts of the um, scheme that we are still probably needing a little bit of clarification on. And again, I'm, I'm trying to kind of engage via MPs and the Treasury to see if there is a way we can get clarification. The one area that I think is really important that needs urgent clarification is those individuals who are shielding. And I say mm-hmm. that because there are two ways that you can interpret the, the legislation um, or the, the scheme in itself. So shielding, I'm, I'm not going to go into the details so, so much as what shielding is because yeah. I'm not a health professional. There is a category of individuals who are shielding, and I believe they are, that is the group of people who have been given letters by the NHS. Yeah, 1.5 million of them, apparently. There we go. Now, ultimately, if you're shielding, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are ill so again if you're working from home and you're shielding then you're still working the 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 group of people there is a group of people and this is where opinion is divided is those individuals who are shielding for public health reasons but they have work available but it's on a factory floor or it's in an office they have to come out of their house to go and my opinion, I'll give you my opinion and I'll tell you the other opinion as well. My opinion is that fellow does apply to these individuals. And the reason for that is because although there is work available, they can't get there. They can't do it because of public health guidelines. Yeah. So it's not because they don't want to. It's because we as a country, our National Health Service are saying, don't leave your house. So it would follow that this scheme should apply as the only exception where work still exists yeah the counter to that is and this is where opinion is state is well no work is still available they can't get there therefore they are on ssp and um, i think the government probably needs to clarify it because the more conversations i engage with the more i'm finding this is a 50 50 split um, amongst whether it's hr professionals or lawyers It is subject to interpretation. Now, my view on life about how you are going to decide what to do and when, um, and then if if it's okay, we can come on to some of those questions. The advice and the guidance has been a bit of a moving feast, and we and we know that from the twentieth through to the twenty sixth, and then there are there are these points where you can backdate certain things. And the advice I'm giving to my clients is if you document the decision that you've taken based on the advice that you had available at the time and you date it, so you would basically say, let's take shielding as an example. I have seen the guidance on the 27th or the, sorry, the 26th, which is updated on the 27th. I have interpreted it in this way and therefore I'm doing this with my shielded employees and it's all dated you can, what you can do is you can then, when HMRC come and ask you the question, you've got something to refer to. Now, in my experience, when I have done that with HMRC through a whole range of other things, they have generally, and I would say nine times out of 10, they have accepted the position that I have taken as an employer because I have based it on what is there. At the time. I've shown, mm. yeah, at, and it's exactly that point, Lucinda, it's at the time. Yeah. 
let's be clear, HMRC aren't going to come knocking on your door today. They might come knocking on your door in 18 months to two years' time when all we know the extent of everything in two years' time and, and we're then looking back at the decisions we made with a lens of hindsight. But you are making decisions in the moment. So my, my strong steer to any business, any HR professional is document the decision that you're taking at the time you're taking it and pull in really clearly that information that you have used to make your decision. Then you've got a pack you can have a conversation with HMRC about. Yeah, so keep good notes, document it, because you never know when this is going to get come around. That's a very good, sensible piece of advice. I think the other thing that HR will, of course, be having is that makes sense. Uh, I mean, whichever the decision, it makes sense that the 1.5 million, they've been identified and not all of them will be in the workplace. A lot of them are older anyway. But um, they, I know someone who's a teacher, for example, who is in that position and she is being paid. So that, that makes sense. The interesting thing is where you've got people who are choosing to self-isolate, where that's a choice, isn't it? So I would assume that they couldn't be. They would have to go on SSP? Would they? Yes, and, and that's correct. And the, and the guidance within the scheme says if you are, if you are self-isolating, it is statutory sick pay. Yeah, okay, fine. Great. All right, so um, some clarifications about uh, uh, ver- well, various things there that were coming through, which are really, really helpful. Um, <laughs> any other little points about what about people – maternity leave actually that was quite a good one someone talked about maternity leave they if someone's on maternity leave they're still on maternity leave basically it's not um identified for that unless people decide to come back to work but then they would be ending their maternity leave if they decided to do that so which may the main one wants yes, to do it yeah that's absolutely right i mean that basically the, the the way i personally would look at maternity leave it's it's a little bit cumbersome how it's been written um, but maternity leave or uh, paternity leave, statutory adoption, those sorts of things, uh, let's call it like that, that group, it just carries on in the same way. I think you as the individual don't need to worry about it. The guidance is more targeted at the employer in terms of what they can and can't claim. Um, if Obviously, if you are in doubt, have the conversation with your employer. But I don't think you really need to worry about it because you are on maternity pay. Uh, maternity leave adoption leave the the bit to think about is if you're coming to that point where um depending on how maternity policies are written if your pay is starting to come down and you're thinking well actually 80 percent of my contractual pay is better than what i'm getting on this period of leave um you again you'd have to follow your normal company process about returning to work if that's early about uh, it's normally around about eight weeks But the bit to take note of is if you decide to do that, you are bringing about the end of that leave period. So you are formally saying to your employer, I want to come off of maternity leave now, please. Um, Which does mean that if they accept it and you come back and you are then furloughed, um, you could be going back to work the very next day because your employer could call you back because, because of the no availability of work you as the individual have to be available for work so that your employer can call you back when work becomes available. So just... Yeah, you can't then go, actually, I want to go off my second six months (laughs) before a year off, it's over. You You can't go, oh, maternity furlough, oh, I'm going back to maternity now. No, you've you've ended that period of leave and you are now a furlough worker. Okay, that's very clear. Thank you. What about things like um, holiday allowance? um, Do things accrue during furlough? 
Yeah, absolutely. So while you are a furlough worker, everything contraction still continues. Uh, so you accrue your annual leave as you go through. Um, the government piece put out a about a three line piece about uh, statutory holidays. Um, which we think is actually targeted at key workers. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be clarified a bit more. That basically says that if you are unable to take your statutory leave, which is the 20 days um, during this time, you can carry it over into the next two annual leave years. Um, I think that's targeted at key workers because the assumption uh, yeah. is very much obviously key workers can't take holiday yeah. because they're so busy working. Um, so the, the question then becomes, well, how are employers going to treat uh, employees annual leave? Um, now, there's a, there are a couple of ways uh, that employers could deal with this. They could either say, well, do you know what? If you've got pre-booked uh, annual leave and you're now furloughed, we're going to just cancel that pre-book and we'll recredit you for days. That is one approach. Another approach could be actually really sorry, because we don't want everybody coming back with their 25, 30 days, whatever, to now take through a shortened holiday year. They can still require you to take your annual leave. As I was saying earlier, they, 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 if they are going to enforce you to take your annual leave, they have to give you the required notice. Oh, okay, so you can ask people to take their annual leave while being furloughed in principle, as long as you give notice. So I can see that yes, businesses wouldn't no. want to build up a stock of people that have right. been paid effectively not to work and then come back and they've got loads of paid holiday. Yes, uh, and that's absolutely right. Now, I, we think, again, this the, there is a piece here that it might need to be clarified, but the, the way the thinking goes about how you could effectively use furlough and annual leave at the same time is um, a, a period of the, the furlough, you have to be furloughed for a minimum of three weeks. So effectively, and you have to change status. So you can only take annual leave while you are a regular status employee because it is part of your employment relationship while you are a regular worker. So what the company would need to do is change your status to furlough worker for three weeks, then change you back to being a regular worker. It's it's cumbersome yeah, and it's funky. paperwork heavy for the company. Mm. Um, but they'd have to change you back to being a regular worker so you could take your one or two weeks. What that does mean is that you would then receive full pay for those one or two weeks. Yeah. So obviously if you were only paying 80% and the employer was not topping up to 100%, then you can't expect, yeah, you've got to be paid 100% during your, your holiday. Your holiday, that's yeah. right. And then they could ask you to go back on to become a furlough worker for another period. So um, it, that becomes a bit cumbersome, a bit complicated. And also it's going to depend on whether or not the organisation can actually afford to pay you your full pay. Because if you think the grant covers payroll effectively, whereas, you know, if you, again, if you've got cash flow issues and you're, you've then got all of your employees taking two weeks holiday, you are paying that yeah. rather than the government paying that for you. So... Um, again, if you are a worker and you're, if you're an employee and you're trying to achieve those sorts of things, have the conversation with your employer to see what it is that they are offering, what they're prepared to do. Um, again, it's only been around for a week. So the counsel I'm giving to employees is maybe give your employer a little bit of time and leeway. You know, yeah. The updated guidance only came out on Friday, really. So that's one and a half working days. And it does take time to understand these things and for businesses to make corporate decisions about what they're doing. So give your employer a little bit of time, please, to just to understand what they're doing. If you are the employer and you are starting to think about things like furlough and annual leave, 
make a corporate decision that you can then apply to everybody. Don't say, you know, employee A can do this, employee B can do that. You're going to have to make a corporate decision about what it is you want to achieve. Yeah, great. And and then be consistent and document it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, keep it, keep it document it. <laughs> always do that. All right. I think that was really helpful, Tom. Thank you so much for, for going through that. And we know that it, things could move. As I say, this is the thir- this is as of the 30th of March. Um, as ever, yeah. with the HR Uprising, we put it, we'll put all the links you've talked about from both the links to your um, uh, petitions and also to your website, because you're going to uh, arrange for, th- you, there's a really helpful job retention scheme uh, Q&A document. And I imagine there may be other documents that you'll pop on there by the time this goes out, that people should be able to download from your website, Tom, yeah? Yeah, that's the idea. It's, um, again, like everything, everyone's kind of in a mad scrabble to change things, yeah. make sure things work. But um, what we'll do on the website is people can have access to, to a, um, a free download. Um, I'll also post links to a free webinar. I'll also post links to uh, this podcast to get people back to it. Um, plus all the links to things like petitions um, that I am setting up. What, what, one, to get Martin Lewis to recount what he said. Yeah. <laughs> and the second lot of petitions are to try and get the government to see sense around new starters after the 28th of February. So they'll all be there. Website is blakeconnolly.co.uk. Brilliant. blakeconnolly.co.uk. You've mentioned your Twitter, which was, what's your Twitter again? I'm at the HR guy underscore. At the HR guy underscore. Brilliant. Okay. So Tom, thank you so much for your time on this. I know this will be really, really useful to people that are listening um, out there and uh, we'll keep an eye as to, to what's going to happen from here. It's definitely interesting yeah. times, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. And the speed at which the, the country is trying to grapple with these things is actually quite amazing. So uh, yeah, more probably more to come, more clarification as we go through yeah. the next few weeks. And actually, and, and hats off to all the HR professionals out there. I really feel for a lot of this, I, I realise you're having to um, really make decisions at terribly short notice, often with very little support. And these are really tough decisions um, for people to be yeah. implementing um, and, you know, wide scale redundancy. These are, everyone's having to work incredibly long hours and I hope you're getting the appreciation that you deserve. Um, it's it's a tough um, and you're doing a great job, guys. I can see what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, and for me, everyone I've spoken to, you are doing a really tough job in difficult circumstances. So, keep going it will get better but there's enough of us around to help give advice support and guidance as well absolutely and that's the thing isn't it reach out to your colleagues we we're obviously no we came to talk to each other because we're both members of the hr ninjas group um there are other ways this is a time to pull together and to share with your other hr colleagues so never this is exactly what the hr uprising is about is collaborate so definitely yeah. encourage that to carry on All right. Thank you so much for your time, Tom. Um, And thanks to everybody for listening. Good luck out there. And I hope you found this podcast of help. Um, Our links are on hruprising.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.